Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion championship team. Astro Lions. Houston proud and Houston strong. Sports Talk 790 Astro Line. Astro Line. The official preseason show of Astros baseball. This is where we talk about your Astros. Join the show. Post your questions and comments on social media. Just be sure to hashtag Astro Line. How about the Mastos? Live from West Palm Beach, Florida, Sports Talk 790 Astroline starts now. We welcome you on a Sunday night to Duffy's in downtown West Palm Beach. We're on Clematis Street. I'm Todd Callis alongside my co-host tonight, Steve Sparks. Sparky, great to be with you. It's going to be a fun night. We've got a great crowd and a couple great guests. Appreciate it. Duffy Sports Grill here in downtown West Palm Beach is a great uh, venue to have the four shows here in spring training uh, the world champs coming in here, and it's awesome to talk to some of these younger players like Hunter Brown and Corey Jolks tonight. It's going to be fantastic. It is going to be fantastic. Those are going to be our guests tonight. And today we had a chance during our radio broadcast to talk with the general manager, Dana Brown, taking over this year for the Houston Astros, coming over from Atlanta. He's been really impressive so far the few times we've interacted with him. You know, he talked about when he got the job with the Astros just about six, eight weeks ago that he was going to just – Sit back a little bit, get to know some people, evaluate, and, and not make too many impressions. But, man, has he, has he followed up on that. Right away, he signs Kristen Javier to that extension. But uh, it's smooth sailing. You get a sense that Dana Brown is a baseball guy, uh, a former scout. And, and when we were talking to him in the second inning today, we get a, a little – insight into what he's thinking about some of these players right away. Yeah, he is also looking forward to trying to work out a deal with Kyle Tucker and his yep. agents, and also he mentioned Framber Valdez, so Perfect. hopefully we'll get all those guys locked up for a long time to come, because we have for six years in a row, the only team in the history of the American League that has made the ALCS six straight years running. It's amazing. You know, that was the plan, and that's the hardest thing to do, is have sustained success the way the Astros have for the last eight or, six, eight or nine years. Uh, it's been a beautiful thing. It's a lot of fun, and, and we get to uh, get right in the middle of it. It doesn't get any better. So for the Astros, spring training is just all about getting guys some work and getting some at-bats and getting some reps. Wins and losses don't really matter, but after the Astros started out one and two, they've now gone six straight games without a loss. So you are a scorekeeper. <laughs> I am a scorekeeper. That's not too bad. 4-0-2 against two, uh, the Red Sox, a couple of ties. But now it's kind of going to shift. So now we see all the guys that we saw Altuve play uh, seven and a half innings today. We saw Jeremy Pena and Kyle Tucker, the first two guys that played nine innings today. Yeah. But a lot of that is predicated on them leaving for the World Baseball Classic. So we're going to see some different players get opportunities while they're gone. You had to ramp them up. Mm -hmm. You know, Tucker and Pena, Altuve, those guys, you had to ramp them up to get ready to, to experience what they're about to experience. And spring training has nothing, uh, is nothing like what they're about to experience as far as the adrenaline and the game speed of what they're going to experience when they play in the WBC. But uh, you get their legs under them, and, and you mentioned those three in particular. Uh, they look great. You know, they look very healthy. They're running balls out. They got a little bounce in their step, and that's what you're hoping for. A lot of these fans know the Astros that have come back from the 2022 campaign, and there's going to be a lot of familiar faces for 2023. And one of the new faces is Jose Abreu. What has stood out to you early on about Abreu? Well, everybody's pitching him inside. And what I remember when the Astros played the White Sox last year and years past is he's very willing to go to right center field. You know, he can take you deep, go bridge the other way as well. Everybody's pitching him inside right now. And what I'm seeing is a very quick bat. He's, 
He's a little bit older now, but he can still turn on some pitches and make guys pay for coming inside. Yeah, he has been impressive in his at-bats. Kyle Tucker has had as good, a bat, as good of at-bats early on in spring as anybody that's going to make the opening day roster. Eight hits already. You know, some power, some going the other way, good two-strike approach, all those things. He's running well, so Kyle's right on schedule to have another great year. And we've talked about he might be ready to take that next step, and that's saying something. Today was almost unfair after the Nationals got that first run when the Astros scored six because after that it was Presley, it was Neris, it was Abreu. It was almost like we were back in the World Series days. Oh, my gosh, yeah. You, you run those starters out there for five innings, and when you see guys like that, you feel like it's locked down. And, you know, knock on wood, they stay healthy again. The Astros are going to have one of the best bullpens of baseball. Everybody healthy coming back in that bullpen. There's really not that many opportunities for guys to make the team in the bullpen. Maybe a lefty because Will Smith's no longer with the organization. Uh, but those righties are all back and ready to fire. They are. You know, they're going to need a lot. You know, you can't rely or assume that you're going to roll out eight starting pitchers for a season again like the Astros did last year. It's just a very rare occurrence. So, you know, they're deep. You know, they're deep enough there. They, they certainly have a lot of more bullpen arms in Sugarland, in, in AA as well. Jaime Melendez, Tamaras, these young guys look like they're ready to make, make that next step up to AAA. So the depth is what you're looking for. And we talk about sustained success. You've got to keep developing those young pitchers, those young position players like a Jeremy Pena to step in when you need them. If, if there was ever a better example of how deep the Astros pitching staff was last year, and you, the old adage in baseball is you can never have enough pitching. But if there was an example of a team that had enough pitching, it was the 2022 Astros. And one of the great examples I use is a guy who is probably going to be a, a, a back end of the bullpen guy for a lot of teams who kept getting sent down between the Astros and Sugarland, Seth Martinez, who has joined us tonight. Uh, he was a guy that only got sent down because guys were coming off the I.L. He didn't get sent down because he was dealing at the times. He got sent back down to AAA. What an acquisition by the Astros. Seth Martinez, they got him in the Rule 5 draft in the minor league fashion from the Oakland A's a couple of years ago. And, man, they tinkered with a, a couple of little things, but they recognized that he did some things uniquely that were going to help them. And, man, has he done it. You know, he owns right-handed batters. And, and you always feel good. You feel confident when Seth Martinez comes in the ballgame. Uh, Fromber Valdez pretty happy that Seth Martinez was on the team <laughs> last year, wasn't he? Absolutely. Well, we are getting ready for our first guest of the night. You guys know not only do we have the number one team in the major leagues in the city of Houston, we have the number one team in college basketball in the city of Houston. And joining us next is a Houston Cougar himself. Whose house? Cougs house. Corey Jolks will be our guest. He'll be right around the corner. This is Astro Line from Duffy's in downtown West Palm Beach. Back with more right after this. Spring training is back in the Palm Beaches this spring. Experience Astros baseball plus the best beaches. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Dining and entertainment after the game. There's nothing better than Astros Spring Ball in sunny Florida. For tickets and more, visit Astros.com spring to book your trip. Plan your visit now to the spring training home of the Houston Astros. The Palm Beaches. Your Houston Astros leveled up this season and won the World Series. And the Houston Astros do it again. World Series champions. Stop by the Astros Union Station team store to pick up your World Series champion jerseys, T-shirts, hats, and commemorative items to celebrate the Astros' second World Series title. The Astros team store has everything you need to shop for that special someone. Stop by Monday through Saturday for the latest Astros merchandise. Or visit Astros.com slash team store to learn more. Sends this ball high and deep to left field. Well struck and gone. It leaves JetBlue Park. Corey Jolks on the first pitch. Jumps all over that Pavetta delivery and sends it over the green monster and left. Clearing everything right out of the stadium. Corey Jolks, our guest tonight on a Sunday night here at Duffy's in downtown West Palm Beach. Not many people here saw that home run, but Sparky and I were fortunate enough to see that one 
You crushed that baseball. People from Boston were talking about that the rest of the day. Was that as good as he can get one? That was pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty good. What does that make you feel like, Corey? You hit that off of Nick Pavetta, who was the Boston Red Sox best pitcher last year. When you get ABs against some of these established major leaguers, I think you already know that you can hit these guys, but just to plant that in your mind that you can excel against these guys, doesn't that give you confidence? 100%. You know, going out there and actually executing, you know, it, it, it felt great. So BP, they have the replica of the green monster in left, and that's got to be a nice target. I mean, are guys shooting for it all day when, when, you're, when you're hitting their BP? I got to say, yeah. I mean, I, me personally, I don't, I don't like to do that during right. BP, but, you know, you got to see if you can get it a few times. Did you hit one that far in BP? No chance. <laughs> <laughs> what do you like to do during batting practice? A lot of guys have their routines. What's it like for you? Let's go through this. Uh, I try to start off going, going right, stay in a little middle. What um, does that help you do? Stay on the ball longer. Okay. Not get jumpy, you know, let the ball get back there instead of me trying to, trying to go get it. Okay. Um, slow the game down, basically. And then next round, what do you like to do after that? If I open up a little bit, I'm thinking still, still center, but, okay. I'm, but I'm trying to drive the ball to center. Nice. And that's, that's about it. I don't want to go too much to the left side. So yesterday, you got a lot of at-bats. You got a couple of hits. You started out as the DH, ended up in left field, and, and finished out the game there. Today, you only got one AB, mm -hmm. and you smoked the baseball. You hit a rocket to third base. Unfortunately, it was not a hit. So my question to you, I mean, as a guy who already knows they're on the team, and Altuve and Pena, they wouldn't look at that and get excited. They'd hit the ball hard. They know they're going to make the team. For you, are you happy about that, or is it frustrating because it's just it's not a hit? I'm still happy about it. You know, yeah. it's, it's still – Spring training, yep. so we're just here, get our reps in, feel comfortable, and uh, you know just just get it back started right. When you were coming to spring training this year, after 31 homers in AAA last year, what kind of impression did you want to make? What did you want Dusty Baker, Gary Pettis, and these guys to know about Corey Jolks? Uh, I mean, just just to know that I'm gonna work hard, uh, I'm gonna give it my my full effort and. That I care, you know. That's that's. I just wanted to see the real Corey jokes. Now I know you have a lot of good friends in this organization. You've been in this organization since you were drafted. You're a UH guy. I think those are the only shows Brian McTaggart from MLB.com shows up for is when there's a UH guy here <laughs> <laughs> as one of our guests. Uh, Corey, uh, you had a phenomenal year, and the Astros did not put you on the 40-man roster. So there was a lot of speculation that you might get taken in the Rule Five draft. That had to be a, a tough time, both there's some excitement knowing you're still with your guys, but also you thought that it was a possibility somebody else might take a chance on you, right? Yeah, I mean, I thought there was a chance, but uh, I didn't want to look too much into it mm -hmm. because, I mean, it's just, end of the day, I mean, it's kind of a distraction. So, you know, I'm just trying to stay focused, uh, do what I can do to better myself, and then whatever happens, happens. There was a couple of things that, that kind of changed the trajectory of your career. And you and I talked about this last spring, but let's talk about this and let people understand what you did two seasons ago because it was very abnormal. But the Astros approached you to do what? Uh, to leave the season and go back to West Palm. So you were in Corpus Christi having a mediocre year would you say that or okay year it was, it was fine yeah it was going okay but they wanted you to tap into your power a little bit more they felt there was more inside there so they brought you back here mm -hmm. and what did they tell you so they, they sit you down they say hey we think you can do this by doing what uh so first thing was basically to start from the ground up uh get my legs more involved in my swing and then from there learn how to Hit the ball in the air more, and then the power just ended up coming. Did you you saw it immediately? Yeah. When you did it right, I did. Are you still working on that? Every day, every day. You know, it's 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 going to be a constant battle. But uh, long as I know how to get myself back right, we can keep working on it. And there was a major uptick in your home run pr production once once you went back to Corpus Christi, right? Mm -hmm. And then you carried it on last year, 31 homers. You know you're tapping into something, right? I would like to, to think so, yeah. You know, it feels good, but I just want to keep working on it and uh, just keep building off, off of my, my last years. 
Yeah, 12 home runs in the last 49 games with Corpus after he went to West Palm Beach that year. Wow. And, and then you end up, you know, you're going into your AAA season last year with Sugarland. You have no idea what to expect, but did you think? You don't want to put goals out there, but you would never right. hit more than 14. Did you think 20, 25, and then all of a sudden you got off to the hard, hot start? You now, now, I mean, do you even think about a number when you're doing when you're going like that? I mean, uh, I basically just look at it as, as trying to improve every season. Mm -hmm. So I just wanted to to have a better year than I did the previous year, and then uh, you know I set a goal to try to hit 20, and I got that, and I was like, all right, well. Might as well keep going. <laughs> Corey, when you talk to, to guys like Michael Brantley, what does he tell you? What kind of advice do some of the older guys in that clubhouse tell you right now? We talk about the swing a lot. I mean, he, uh, anytime I have a question, he's there open, you know. So, uh, I mean, he's, he's been a big guidance for sure. You are an outfielder. We've always been an outfielder. And then all of a sudden, third base came into play. He actually played a little second base last year, too, right? Um, where is that experiment now? Are you still working between the infield or outfield, or are you now more focused on the outfield? I'm still doing both. Yeah. Uh, doing outfield, infield, um, kind of just wherever they want me to go. So do you, as third base of all the infield positions, where you're most comfortable because you've had the most reps on the infield there? I would say yes. Yes. And you went to Clearbrook High School just outside of Houston, and you were a shortstop. Uh, that's how you were recruited at University of Houston. You were a shortstop growing up, so a little familiarity uh, yes. with taking ground balls and, and seeing the ball live off the bat, right? Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, so I actually went to uh, U of H for infield, went to the outfield, so, you know, I, I definitely got a background there, so it wasn't too foreign. What was the experience like at U of H? Tell us about that program. It was awesome. You know, I... Went there three years, met great guys, played for Todd Whitting, other great coaches. So, I mean, I loved it. So, obviously, you played with some guys who have had their opportunities the last couple of years. J.J. Matajevic, uh, David Hensley. In 2020, David wasn't even in, in the alternate training site. He was just kind of working out in California. And next thing you know, he's starting a game in the World Series two years later. Yeah. So, he's basically the same age as you are. Do you feel like all right, this could be the year, this is my time. Like, not to put too much pressure on yourself, but you have put up the numbers, you did it all last year. Do you feel like this 2023 season is your time? I mean, I would hope so. I just, I just gotta keep playing. You know, I, like I said, I don't really wanna think too much into it. I just wanna treat every day the same, you know what I mean? And get better every, every day and then just let it play out the way it does. I mean, I think that's the way you have to do it. I mean, when you start to worry about those things you can't control, then you, then you get very frustrated. Mm -hmm. Tell us about how this organization helps you on the mental side like that. They do a great job. You know, they, they uh, uh, last year they, they would have us go um, meet, meet with, the, with the middle school guys probably twice a week. Really? Maybe three. Um, you know, so they, yeah, they, they they make a strong effort to make sure that's that's definitely part of our game. Corey Jolks, our guest tonight on Astro Line. We are live at Duffy's here on Clematis Street in downtown West Palm Beach. I can tell from some sunburns around here in the audience that a lot of people have been out to the ballpark of the Palm Beaches, and they may not realize because they sit there and it's hot and it's hot in the seats. But there is a big breeze that has been blowing the last couple of games at home. As an outfielder. How t are the conditions in these games in spring training as tough or tougher than anything you face all season long? How tough is the wind and the sun to deal with down here? It's definitely different, but, I mean, it's, it's something that, that you just get used to playing all the time. You know what I mean? It's elements that you got to deal with, so find a way, you know. I guess playing at UX, you've had some tough conditions, huh? Yeah, I mean, it's... it's Pretty hot there. Say that. <laughs> but the Pacific Coast League, in general, I mean, you play in yeah. so many different climates in that league in particular that you have to get ready. The fly balls are, seem different. The sky seems higher mm -hmm. in some of those parks. Uh, the elevation change changes how far a ball will go off the bat. For sure. It's tough adjustments, isn't it? It is. It is. But, you know, that's what we're paid to do. What's it like at Constellation Field in, in Sugarland? How does that ballpark uh, play compared to the other parks in AAA? Uh, I mean, typically the wind's blowing, blowing in from right, so you got that element. But other than that, I mean, it plays pretty, pretty.
pretty true. What, what do you care? You're right-handed. Right. You're yeah, not man. pulling it into that breeze. No, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> this question comes from the audience. Brian McTaggart wants to know how excited are you about UH basketball being number one? Very excited, baby. Go Cougs. Who's your, who's your favorite player on the team? Uh, uh, she. Yeah, he's yeah. been great. He yeah, had the game yeah, winner yeah. today. Yeah, I don't, I don't. So you saw some of the game today? You were playing, so you didn't get I, to see much of the game. I didn't I didn't watch the game, but I saw the shot. He no. told it's, us during a commercial that he snuck into the clubhouse. No, I did no, <laughs> <laughs> You're going to get him in trouble. Come on. Did you get a chance to uh, go to go to uh, Fertitta Center and watch some of the games this year? I didn't know. I, don't, I actually didn't. I missed out. Yeah, Todd and I have gotten a chance to go watch a few of them, but... Uh, it's a great atmosphere there now. Oh, yeah, It's, it's unbelievable what yeah, they've yeah. done. So a guy that grew up in Houston, and then you obviously have been in the Astros organization for a while, to play your AAA games in Sugar Land. That's where Sparky lives, by the way. Uh, how cool, I mean, is it your home? How cool is that? It's awesome. You know, so I got, I got friends, family come out there basically every game. So, you know, I got, I got support. I mean, it's awesome. I love it. I asked you this last year. But if you get the call this year and Trevor Story or Mickey Story tells you that uh, you're going to the major leagues, your first phone call goes to who? Um, it may change because your relationship status has changed. Yeah, I mean, it Who are you going to call first? I mean, probably my parents. I mean. <laughs> okay, good for you. Yeah. So you tell us about your mom and dad. You know, as you were growing up, uh, tell. Tell us how, what they meant to you, you know, getting you to all those venues and supporting you all the way. I mean, everything. I mean, my, my dad was the one who actually got me into baseball. Uh, I mean, he would, he would drag me to all the events, you know what I mean? Always, always made sure I was there on time. So, I mean, he means everything to me. Was he, was and he, my mom, too. Sorry. That's right. Yeah. But was he a player, your, your dad? Did he play? No, he actually didn't play baseball. So I, I don't know what made him put me in baseball. But, but he just loved he baseball? Yeah. I don't know if he loved it, but he just was like, I want you to play baseball. He wanted to keep you busy. Yeah, I was like, all right. There I love go. it. I love it. So this has been a lot of fun. We have a, a, a lot of show to still go. But uh, Corey Jolks from Sagemont, he is the pride of the Clearbrook, Clearbrook Wolverines and the UH Cougars. Last year, there were two minor leaguers, only two, that had 30 or more home runs, 20 or more steals. We're sitting next to one of them. Corey Jolks, you're going to see him in a Astros uniform soon. Thanks for being with us tonight. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. We'll have more on Astro Live as we continue from Duffy's in downtown West Palm Beach right after this. Hunter Brown is next. Spring training is back in the Palm Beaches this spring. Experience Astros baseball, plus the best beaches, dining, and entertainment after the game. There's nothing better than Astros Spring Ball in sunny Florida. For tickets and more, visit astros.com spring to book your trip. Plan your visit now to the spring training home of the Houston Astros. The Palm Beaches. Your Houston Astros are World Series champions. The Houston Astros do it again. 2022 World Series champion. And now they look to end the 2023 season the same way. Become an Astros season ticket holder now to catch all the action as the Astros go for the repeat. Get access to every game, including opening day and postseason. And it's madness in our house again. Plus, enjoy exclusive benefits only offered to season ticket holders. Witness the golden era of Astros baseball. Visit Astros.com slash season tickets today. Robert Ford pleased to be joined for this series with the Rangers by uh, Jeff Bagwell and Hunter Brown making his big league debut today. Baggy, someone you got to know well. You've made some trips down to Sugarland. You've gotten a chance to talk to him and see him pitch. Yeah, I have. Um, kid's got an electric arm. He's got all four pitches, actually five, really. He's got a cut or two. Um, impressive young man. He's he's a kid that's untouchable for us, so it's an exciting moment for the organization to have him out there. I'm sure the kid's going to be very amped up. You could see some balls in the high 90s here right off the get-go. So be be fun to watch a pitch. So everybody talks about with Brown Baggy, the big key for him is is getting in the strike zone. It is. So let's look at strike one today, I think, is his most important thing, just to get ahead of guys, use his, use his fastball and his breaking pitches. But if he, if he can locate his fastball and throw strikes, he's got everything it takes to be a starter here for a while. Marcus Simeon leads things off for the Rangers. Here's a 1-2. And that is strike three call on the outside corner, 96 on the outside black. Hunter Brown's big league career starts off with a backwards K, and now it's Corey Seager. Here's the 0-2. 
Swing and a miss. Seager goes down on a curveball. 12 to 6 curveball right there. Falls out of the sky after some high fastballs. And to throw that in there, he's got to be thinking about the fastball. Gets the curveball for a strike three. 2 2 to Leoti Tavares. Did he go around on the curveball in the dirt? He sure did. Picked out of the dirt by Maldonado. He'll lob it to first to get the out and in the inning. Third strikeout for Hunter Brown. 2 2. Swing and a miss. A slider down and in to Calhoun. Boy, that was vicious. Fourth strikeout for Brown. 94 mile an hour cutter, slider, whatever the heck you want to call it. It was nasty. Now the payoff pitch. Swing and a miss. Got him on a fastball downstairs. And the inning draws to a close. Brown picks up his fifth strikeout and strands a pair. And that's hit sharply, but right into the shift. Pena fields it just to the right of second, throws to first in time, and that is six scoreless innings for Hunter Brown in his big league debut. Fans behind the Astros' dugout giving him a standing ovation. And so are we. We're at Duffy Sports Grill. You're listening to Astro Line. And it's Hunter Brown, 96 on the black, 94 mile an hour slider. Why wouldn't you be smiling? <laughs> I'd be smiling. Thanks for having me, guys. Good to be here. It's great to have you. Todd Callis and Steve Sparks here with you. Uh, Hunter Brown made his debut on September 5th a year ago. What a thrill for you. Yeah, it was an unbelievable day. Um, a lot of hard work that went into it and, you know, just kind of eclipsed in, in that one day for me and, and my family and obviously the organization, too. So. It was, uh, it was a wonderful experience. I love that old school Jeff Bagwell filling in for Sparky that day was afraid to call it a slider because no one throws a slider that hard. But you call it a slider, right? It's not a cutter. Yeah, I mean, it's got, uh, it's got less ride than a traditional cutter, but it's kind of a, it's kind of a cross. Um, you know, it's a little bit of both. So but I think slider sounds better. So it's the hardest thrown slider in Major League Baseball last year, so that's not too shabby. I, I love that debut. How can you beat six innings of shutout baseball? But then your second start had to be a whole different set of nerves because you were pitching. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Basically where you grew up and, and less than a mile away from your college. Yeah, I mean, that was definitely the, the park that I went to and kind of had all those dreams as a kid of, of pitching in, so... Um, you know, nothing compares to your debut, but I think being in Comerica that day and obviously, you know, my a lot of college buddies were there, teammates, family, friends. I mean, pretty much everybody that's kind of known me in my baseball life or, you know, high school, college just was there. So, I mean, it was definitely a, an emotional day for me and um, it was really exciting. You used to sit up in the right field bleachers? Yeah, yeah, my my sister had season tickets up there, so I I, I went up there quite a bit. But um, yeah, my my dad used to take me all the time. I mean, we spent plenty, you know, a lot of summers at the ballpark there. Did you get a chance to talk to your parents this off season and kind of reminisce about some of the things you got to experience that last month and a half? Yeah, me and my dad definitely had some long 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 night nice. talks over a couple beers or something like that. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, we we reminisce, and obviously we know there's a lot more to go. So. Um, my mom was super proud of me, um, as, as well as my dad, too. So, um, yeah, just really looking forward to, to playing some more ball. One of the things we talked about today with Luis Garcia starting was one of the most impressive things we saw last year in the postseason was Luis Garcia pitching five innings in Seattle, 0-0 game, knowing that any pitch could result in the end of the, the game and the Seattle fans were ready to go nuts. And what gets overshadowed in that is that you actually threw the two innings before him uh, as you were getting your feet wet in the postseason against what was that atmosphere like? I heard from almost all the veterans, because I was not in Seattle for that series, that crowd was as intense as any crowd they've ever been to for any of the postseason games. Yeah, I would have to agree. I mean, I think Seattle was definitely the loudest, most uh, electric environment of the postseason. Um, I didn't get an opportunity to... to be out on the field in the World Series, but I was still there and present and stuff like that in the bullpen. So, uh, but yeah, in my opinion too, I think Seattle was just kind of—I mean, aside from Houston, was was unmatched. What was your mindset like? Were, were you, did you allow yourself to say, "Hey, I have no margin for error," or were you just seeing the glove and hitting it? Did you just 
blank out and, and just kind of tunnel vision. No, I think it was kind of kind of the opposite. It was like, hey, you know, it's kind of do or die, and good. It's either gonna it's either gonna go our way or it's not. So um, just kind of went in with that mindset, you know. Actually, a lot of fans were telling me I was going to blow it. So <laughs> uh, they, could, they could talk to you in the bullpen. Yeah, the Seattle's they're pretty close. It's just like just like in Philly too. But um, yeah, so I was getting I was getting quite an earful warming up, <laughs> sure. and um, I don't know. I just I almost got like a calmness from it. Does so that feel good? That doesn't throw you off your game at all. No, you would think that it like people yelling at you and stuff like that would, but I think it's. I don't know. I think it's makes you more determined. Yeah, I guess right. You lock yeah. it in. You're like, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna do my thing, and you guys are gonna watch. Yep. Yeah. So you pitch seven games in the regular season. You pitch game one of the DS. You pitch game three, which is the clinching game in Seattle, and then Pena obviously hits the home run. Garcia did his thing, and you guys start celebrating. What was that celebration like? Yeah, I mean, it was awesome. Um, I mean, it, it felt so quick for me. So yeah. I really just. I heard it gets loud in there. <laughs> yeah, Spark, Sparky may have been in there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, but I mean, that's those are the those are the moments that you cherish, um, and that's what you're working for. So I mean, for us to to take it all the way was uh, it was just really satisfying feeling, and knowing you know all the work that the guys put in during the whole season. You know, I wasn't I wasn't with that team particularly, but there's a lot of guys that I saw from from camp and throughout the whole year, and, and knowing that the amount of time and effort that these guys put in. Um, yeah, it was just a gratifying feeling for sure. Hunter, from the outside in, it would look like this clubhouse might be a little intimidating walking into because of their success. You see a lot of stars on this team, but they welcome the young guys, especially guys that they feel that can help them win. What's it like when you walked in? Yeah, I mean, we just have great leaders on our team. Um, you know, I think, I think somebody who's been instrumental for me has been uh, Ryan Presley and, you know, a lot of the bullpen guys. Last year, you know, I was, I was with the starters for a couple days. Um, you know, you got Maldi behind the plate. You look around the infield. Breggy's at third. Tuve's at second. Obviously, I played a little bit with Pena in AAA. Mm -hmm. So I kind of knew what he could do. Um, Yuli has been there for a while. I mean, just all around, you know, there's so much experience and, and just leadership. And, uh, you know, they make it really easy to walk into a clubhouse like that. Hunter Brown's our guest tonight on Astro Line. We are in downtown West Palm Beach here on Clematis Street. So the people that are here, I don't know how many of you know this because I didn't know this before today when I was doing my research. So Hunter pitched in seven games in the regular season. He pitched in three games in the postseason. So that's 10 career games he's pitched at the major league level, and the Astros are 10-0 and 0 in those 10 games. That, wow. is, that is not too – for a guy who was not heavily recruited out of high school, tell us about that because you ended up at Wayne State, and that ended up being a great place for you. But you didn't have a lot of offers coming out of high school, right? No, I didn't. Um, I had a walk-on opportunity to, to kind of catch and maybe pitch a little bit at Eastern Michigan. Um, I had my only scholarship offer was, was to Wayne State. Um, they wanted me to pitch right away. Uh, you know, they didn't believe in my abilities to hit the fastball <laughs> as well as I could throw it, and I don't blame them. So. Yeah, yeah, neither do we. <laughs> <laughs> so I went there. I took that opportunity. You know, it was a school that I wanted to go to, um, you know, for academics regardless. And I was just kind of a late bloomer. You know, I didn't, I didn't throw very hard as a senior in high school. Or How hard were you throwing? Like 85 to yep. maybe 87, topping out on a good day. Um, now you're throwing 95 mile an hour slider. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I would say, you know, that, that kind of stuff worked. But, yeah, as, as – as uh, as I matured and got older and, and, and got stronger and bigger, you know, things like that, it just kind of things kind of started falling into place for me. Um, but, yeah, I, you know, just we have a wonderful staff at Wayne State. You know, a lot of those people are still there um, and and they just run a great program over there. The thing I was most impressed with, in addition to all your family and friends being there, was that the, the whole, almost the whole team from the current Wayne State program was there. College kids, it's hard to get five guys to do the same thing. They had like 20-something guys there. Was, did you notice them at all, or was it not till afterwards when they all came to say hi? No, I mean, they were they were right behind the yeah, dugout. They were so. right over third base. Yeah, so when I was coming in, I definitely, you know, you can't, I, hey, I used to wear those polos and the green hat, <laughs> so I know, I know what it's like. And, yeah, I mean, I definitely saw them, and, you know, those guys bring the energy. Um, did you make eye contact with any of those idiots? That you no, not during the game. Yeah. I really tried not to. Good for to. you. That was smart. <laughs> head, head down. But, no, I knew they were there. <laughs> well, it, it's been a great ride. When you got to, to Wayne State, what did they teach you uh, that was right about getting stronger and how you developed that velocity? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, just for my size, I was, I was like uh, – 
you know, for lack of a better term, I was kind of skinny fat, you know, so I, yeah. didn't, I didn't have good weight. But just um, weak? Yeah, yeah. So, but I didn't do much weightlifting in high school either, you know. It wasn't a thing, you know, we just, kind of a smaller school, wasn't a huge, huge focus on, on that, you know. You're kind of just playing all the sports that you wanted to play. So when I got there, that was definitely a main focus was was to get, get your weight up and get it in a good way. And, um, you know, my strength coach at the time, John Norcott, he kind of introduced me to just about everything um on on a strength and conditioning standpoint and really you know the wayne state team there there was really no option you know you kind of you had to do things we had 6 a.m lifts just like so many other colleges and stuff like that yeah and um you know hell week things like that where you're running you're running miles at five in the morning and in the cold weather in michigan which uh puking yep yep so they uh (laughs) You know, they knew they knew what they were doing. They knew how to build some mental toughness in you and, you know, really, really test if you wanted it. Skinny Pat's okay. Sparky said that to me earlier today. So <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm good with I that. I recognize that right away. Yeah. So, uh, Wayne State, you, you don't play a lot of D1 programs, but then you go to the Cal Ripken Pro Ball Summer League, uh, and you're, play, you're pitching for the Bethesda Big Train at that point. You're going against a lot of guys that are in Power 5 conferences. Was that where you were like, okay, Wayne State might be at these two school, but my stuff is playing against these guys that are at big schools. Yeah, that was probably the most instrumental, um, like, turning point in my career at, uh, you know, at the time. Um, just getting around the guys, too, the, the guys that are on your team, you know, they might have more resources and more knowledge that they could share with you as a, as a teammate. And then, you know, you're going to work with those guys every day at the same time. So, um, obviously, playing a little bit, uh, you know, tougher competition and, and – talking with the coaching staff and guys who had you know been at these at these power five schools you know you were able to to take all that you could from them so um that that really helped me a lot you know i learned a lot that summer we had uh you know a couple pitching coaches who had some pro ball experience and you know that's just stuff that i didn't have access to um so it was really really um it was really good opportunity for me, and I think that was probably the best uh, thing that happened to me was to go play for them. We're talking a starting pitcher for the Astros, Hunter Brown. And then you got access to even more when the Astros drafted right. you because they're known for this, and they can take what you do very well and make you better for the most part. And you met Bill Murphy, you met Josh Miller, some of these guys. Tell us what it was like once you got into the Astros pro system. Yeah, I mean, it was like uh – I don't know, when you're a little kid and you open up a book for the first time. I mean, they showed me things that I had no idea about. Like what? You know, the spin rates, the shapes, um, you know, how you want to attack hitters, things like that. What works, what doesn't, and why. Um, You know, what what pitches that were probably better suited for my arm slot compared to what I was throwing or what shapes would be better at, you know, different types of velocities. So it was really just kind of from day one, I knew that I had a lot of work to do. And, you know, they gave me all the tools to do it, um, broke down video, spent the time with me, things like that. And just, um, yeah, they give you, you know, they give you the keys to your own career and you, and you can kind of choose what you want to do with that. How easy or hard is it to buy in? I would say it's fairly easy. Yeah, yep. I mean, you see the success that everybody else has had. I mean, Garrett Cole gets traded over from the Pirates, and he he does his thing. JV was kind of struggling for a little bit with the Tigers. He comes over. Um, you know, Presley's Presley now. I don't know if he was closing out as many yeah, games. Charlie Borden. Yeah. Right, yep. I mean, the list goes on and it on. Does. So all these guys, it's very uh, it's very apparent that they, they got the secret sauce. So we like putting that. We like using that. Yeah, I like the sauce. <laughs> we were mentioning the depth of the pitching staff earlier, and we were referencing Seth Martinez, who was here with us tonight, and how he had to get sent down a couple of times for no reason. He was pitching it, it lights out, just injuries. Guys were coming off the IL, and they had to make room. Same thing for you. You didn't really have a chance to start till late in the season, and you were dealing all the way through AAA. I know that had to be a balance of you feel like you're ready, but you had to kind of wait your turn until September, right? Yeah, I mean, talking with uh, Mickey and uh, Eric Abreu, uh, you know, with the AAA staff, um, you know, they said, hey, when they're ready, they'll call you. So just keep doing your thing. And, and uh, you know, there's still things that you can work on while being here and that are going to translate to the big league. So um, I think keeping a focus on that and, and trying to compete still, you know, while, you know, you might think things, but, you know, they're not they're not true. You know, at the time I wasn't a big leaguer, so I still had a lot of work to do. Um, and, and that was just kind of where the focus was at. Who are some of the, your favorite pitchers to watch? Outside of, we, we always hear about the JV comparisons, but Walker Bueller comes to mind when I watch you sometimes. Very similar mechanics and all that. Who do you like to watch? 
uh, like current pitchers mm-hmm. or I mean I, well, I can you go back and, and talk about something? Yeah, I'm a huge Joel Zumaya fan. I don't know if you're you might yeah. be familiar with yeah. him. Um, that was kind of the guy where I kind of fell in love with trying to throw hard. Sure. Um, you know, he did it probably better than anybody at the time. Yeah. Um, I really enjoy watching Corbin Burns pitch. Um, you know, he's got he's got some nasty stuff. I kind of try to do some of the things that he does with his cutter with my slider. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I really enjoy watching Framber pitch. It's kind of a treat anytime I'm in the dugout watching him do his thing. Snap um, it off, man. He's unbelievable. Yeah, isn't it's, he? it's and it's it's a, you know you don't see very many sinker curveball guys. No. Nope. So it's a it's an interesting thing for me to watch as well. You you, you see a pitcher like Lance and Framber being able to both get ground ball double plays and strikeouts when they need them. And it's very rare, isn't it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's a quite, quite a combination, yep. those two guys on your staff. So you're uh, Hunter Brown, our guest tonight here, downtown West Palm Beach. He is the only guy in this whole place that is actually going to do something tomorrow that none of you will do is pitch against major league players. <laughs> Seth Martinez has not pitched till Tuesday. But you had the rare outing the other day in an Astros uniform where you weren't 100% thrilled with your outing. What are you looking forward to tomorrow that didn't necessarily go your way in your last outing? Yeah, I mean, I think it's just another opportunity to go out there and fine-tune some things. Um, hadn't had, you know, that was my second live of, mm-hmm. of spring. So, uh, you know, had a couple of bullpens. You kind of ramp things up. You kind of get your timing right. Things start to, uh, you know, get back to game speed for you. So I think with each outing, you just get more comfortable. And, you know, maybe you think back like, oh, yeah, you know, that's that was something that worked for me last year, worked for me before. And, you know, it kind of comes back to you. So I think that's, uh, you know, that's things that happen in spring training. Um you know, obviously, yeah, like you said, I wasn't as sharp as I wanted to be, and, you know, I, I just hope to hope to be that tomorrow. You mentioned after that last game that you felt like the pitch timer rushed you a little bit because you were trying to be diligent on the backfields with some of that timing. It's a little different once you get into the game, isn't it? Yeah, no, I didn't uh, actually say that it was a pitch timer. So okay. uh, it was more so just about the game speed that I was oh, kind of gotcha. my, my, my rhythm and my tempo was kind of sped up just based on you know, getting out there again, gotcha. feeling that sort of adrenaline. But the pitch timer does have an effect on things like, you know, whether you throw, like for me, if I throw, you know, maybe a couple balls in a row, maybe I want to take an extra second, walk around the mound, you know, fix my caps, throw out at the at the stars or things like that. You know, you don't get that opportunity to do that now. Um, but I, I dealt with that in AAA, and that's something that, you know, as spring and as the season goes on, we'll, everybody will, will just have to make the adjustment and, and go from there. So your pitching coach, Josh Miller, working with Urquidy today in a side session. And they were working on out of the stretch position to get it as efficient, you know, under 1-3 if they could. And he was getting down to a solid 1-2-5s pretty easy. How hard or easy is that for you to unload it pretty quickly out of the stretch? Yeah, I mean, I can do I, – I kind of implement a slide step here and there too. So, uh, And we talk about what's called like a load and go, which is, you know, you just don't lift your leg as high, but you can kind of still create the same drive. So, uh, you know, that's stuff we work on during our throwing programs during the week. So it's kind of – like I said, the, the difficult part is when you transfer into that game speed because you can kind of replicate that as much as you want, but until you're out there, it's, it's really tough to, uh, to do. Final question from me, and then we'll let you enjoy the rest of your night, Hunter. Um, obviously, Lance McCullers Jr. starting the year on the IL. Uh, you have the other four guys who pitched last year. There obvi- seems like an obvious fifth spot for you if things go well. Has anybody said anything, Dusty or Josh Miller or Bill Murphy, or are you just focused on doing what you can do and seeing where the chips fall? Yeah, I mean, that's a... Uh you know, those guys will make their decisions, and that's why that's why they're in the positions they are. And, you know, I, I kind of just do the pitching and, and go from there. But, no, there hasn't been anything set in stone. Um, so I'm just going to go out there and try, and try and compete and do the things that I do. And hopefully, you know, like you said, the chips fall, fall in that way. But if they don't, you know, then you just got to keep working and, and, and go towards that end goal. Hunter Brown, our guest tonight, the number one prospect in the Astros system. Seven games at the big league level last year in a sub-1 ERA. And... This guy's future is so bright. Thanks for joining us, Hunter. Thank you, guys. Appreciate All right, it. Appreciate it. Hunter Brown, our guest. We'll have more. One final segment here on Astro Line on a Sunday night from downtown West Palm Beach right after this. Your Houston Astros are World Series champions. The Houston Astros do it again. 2020.
2022 World Series champion. And now they look to end the 2023 season the same way. Become an Astros season ticket holder now to catch all the action as the Astros go for the repeat. Get access to every game, including opening day and postseason. And it's madness in our house again. Plus, enjoy exclusive benefits only offered to season ticket holders. Witness the golden era of Astros baseball. Visit Astros.com slash season tickets today. Spring training is back in the Palm Beaches this spring. Experience Astros baseball, plus the best beaches, dining, and entertainment after the game. There's nothing better than Astros spring ball in sunny Florida. For tickets and more, visit Astros.com spring to book your trip. Plan your visit now to the spring training home of the Houston Astros. The Palm Beaches. And welcome back to Astroline. We're at Duffy Sports Grill, downtown West Palm Beach on Comatis. What a segment. Corey Jolks and Hunter Brown joining us today. Don't forget, Astros fans, that single game tickets for the first half of the 2023 season are on sale right now. See some of the biggest matchups, including the White Sox, the Phillies, the Cubs, the Mets, take on the world champions. Find your tickets now at Astros.com slash tickets. Steve Sparks alongside Todd Callis, our last segment of today's Astroline. Pretty cool stuff. And what I'm impressed with the most is that the Astros continue to plug and play these guys with their player development. They keep infusing these young players into the, the roster and in these lineups. I think it keeps the energy up, and I think it just keeps this thing moving along. It's, it's crazy. When you think about the talent that they have lost over the last half dozen years, so you start with a Dallas Keiko and then you go on to Charlie Morton. Uh, you continue on with Garrett Cole, this year Justin Verlander, Zach Greinke no longer with the team, Carlos Correa, George Springer. That's a that's a pretty, com- you know, other teams that lose those seven guys. That's an all-star team. That's an all-star team. That's, a, that's five guys in your rotation. That's two star players in your lineup. And the Astros still making six American League Championship Series without those guys. Uh, it's been a remarkable run. And some of these guys that we had on tonight, and other guys that Jacob Melton, who played today, yep. uh, that that looks like he has a potential star in his future. Justin Dearden has been kind of the premier player this spring. Dana Brown, the GM, keeps mentioning Drew Gilbert. I've heard him mention him five times now in the last week. Yeah, so it, they keep coming, and it, it's huge because not many teams have a run like this. No team's ever had a run like this. I mean, it is historic in Major League Baseball history, whether you're talking about the ALCS, no team's ever done six in a row, or in Major League Baseball history, no team's ever had to win a round to get to the CS six years in a row. The Braves did five years where they just had to win the division to get to the CS of their 10-year run. So this is historic, and, you know, we're blessed to be a part of it, and and sometimes you just have to step out and see the bigger picture from 30,000 feet to realize how lucky we are. I, I think what's interesting to me is that the Astros have been able to acquire some players like a Colin McHugh uh, or a Yuli Gurriel, guys like that who finished in the top five rookie of the year in, in different ways. You know, they're able to plug these guys in a system. And it makes me wonder, are they just a little bit smarter than, than a lot of people? Or are they, are they able to figure something out about a guy and get the most out of him better than other people do? I think that's part of it. I think part of it is the clubhouse culture. I, I think the Astros have an advantage there. It, it's a multilingual, multinational cult, you know, culture in that clubhouse. And, and what ties that together? Have you ever thought about that? So one, one thing I think that ties that together was when he got into the clubhouse about five years ago, Alex Bregman, yeah. who could speak Spanish. That helped. And I think immediately Altuve and Correa and those guys immediately – uh, respected him and, and respected the fact that he wanted to learn from them and, and be their friends, and they brought him in. So Alex was able to progress at a quicker rate. I think that, that that's a big part of it. That is absolutely a big part of it, being able to assimilate to, to a different language like that for Alex. And I also think, and you know, back in the day especially, rookies got hazed big time. Mm-hmm. And there was kind of like, be quiet, stay in your corner, and, and, and be a don't, rookie. Don't say a word. And these rookies can be themselves. And, you know, there's certain things that will happen when you, 
guys will remind them that they're still rookies because it's still Major League Baseball. Right. But there's still a comfort zone that you can be yourself in your own skin. And I think that allows a Chaz McCormick to be who he is. That allows a Jeremy Pena to become an ALCS MVP and, an ALC, uh, and a World Series MVP in his rookie year. I think there's just a comfort level that you don't necessarily see in every clubhouse because they don't treat the rookies that, that differently from the veterans. We talk about the player development. And we talk about the talent on this team. And I don't think we can forget what a great job the training staff, uh, the strength trainers, uh, the strength coaches, the coaching staff in general do to keep these guys posting day in and day out. And even taking guys out of the lineup at, at certain times to make sure that they can get through uh, the season and ready for the postseason. It's part of the reason we had to wait till September 5th to see Hunter Brown. Guys were healthy the whole year. We had a, a few injuries. Jake Odorizzi, uh, Lance McCullers Jr. early, but we knew he was going to be out. And then late, Justin Verlander. But for the most part, Romber Valdez, Jose Urquidy, Luis Garcia, Christian Javier, they were posting every day. And when you have those guys posting, hopefully they'll do it again this year. That's a big testament to your training staff. It takes a lot of work, but they they really have figured a lot of things out. And I know what the pitchers go through even before they start playing catch on a given day in spring training, they go through about five stations. One, it's a, you know, getting a little sweat going in cardio. Then it's, you know, stretching with some bands. And then it's getting on the table with a trainer to do some patterns and some strength work. And then it's a heavy ball. And they, they do all these things before they even play catch and stretch. That's amazing. Yep. I, you know, the, it, the proof's in the pudding. It's working. Congrats to Jeremiah Randall and his staff. Thank you so much tonight for everybody who showed up here at Duffy's Sports Grill on Clematis in downtown West Palm Beach. Thank you to our special guest, Corey Jolks, Hunter Brown, Steve Sparks, my co-host, Matt Boltz, our engineer on site. Also, Trey Campbell back in the studio as well. Thank you for everyone who showed up tonight. Sparky gets to work with somebody different for the first time in three days tomorrow. Gerald Sanchez, the AAA broadcaster for the Sugarland Space Camp Cowboys. It was a lot of fun working with you the last three days, Sparky. For everybody here on a Sunday night, Astros, Astro Line will be back again next week. We'll be right here again on, at Duffy's on Clematis Street. Until then, have a great rest of your night, and we'll see you next week. Good night, everyone. Luis Garcia back on the mound for the Astros. Joining us in the broadcast booth is general manager of the Houston Astros, Dana Brown. Dana, thank you so much for joining us. It's been a pretty good spring so far, your first spring as a GM. What has stuck out to you? Well, um, I'm loving the pitching. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the good we have some good starting pitching and uh, actually some good bullpen pitching too. So I'm really excited about that. Uh, I think some of the bats will come on as we go, but uh, it's been fun to watch. Dana, you saw Ronel Blanco early in spring training, and you looked at him and as, as a relief pitcher throughout his minor league career with the Astros. You said, "Hey, he might be a starter." Uh, you put your eyes on him, and you said that. What made you? Uh, say that about Ronel Blanco. Yeah, that's just the scouting eye. You know, his actions are clean. The delivery's good. He, he has three pitches, uh, and he was throwing strikes. So I'm like, hey, we, let's try to stretch this guy out to create some depth uh, in the rotation. So we're going to see what happens. Uh, he's off to a pretty good start. So he's gone one inning, two innings. Will he continue to stretch out with every outing? Yes, he will. Um, that's the plan. I talked to the pitching coach. I talked to the manager. And, uh, you know, worst come to worst, he'll go back to the bullpen and be a two- or three-inning guy, which is, which is good, too. We feel it's a win-win situation. If there's one thing, as you start to observe and look at your roster, if you feel like you need more of a surplus at any position, what would it be? Yeah, I would say, I would always say, this is, for, for me, it's always starting pitching. You, mm -hmm. want, you want the depth. Uh, of the of the rotation, I, I can remember uh, last year in Atlanta when we put uh, Strider in the rotation. The, the rotation was deep. We felt like we had a chance to win every night. So I think if the rotation is consistently good throughout the entire year, that's gonna cre that's gonna be more wins for the club. So I'm always looking to create depth uh, in the rotation, and that means some of them are gonna be in AAA. But um, I'd like to have that depth. One and two, the count to Stone Garrett, right fielder for the Washington Nationals. Luis Garcia gets the sign, and his abbreviated delivery home is a called third strike. Garrett knew it started walking back to the dugout as soon as that pitch crossed the plate. We have seen Luis Garcia make the adjustment to shutout innings in his last start, and so far so good today. Yeah, honestly, I thought, you know, changing the delivery a little bit was going to be tough for him because it's a rhythm thing. You know, for a lot of these players, it's a rhythm thing. And so he seems to be uh, pretty good. I think in the early going, Dana, that we've been impressed with guys like 
Justin Dearden, Corey Jolks, uh, Jacob Melton. We're starting to get our first look at him. He's in center field today. Uh, it looks like the outfield looks pretty bright for the future, doesn't it? Yeah, we have some outfield depth, you know, even all the way down to double A. Uh, depends on where he starts, even like Gilbert. Yeah. Uh, I think that the outfield has depth. Uh, we're excited about that. Um, Durden, hit the, he hits the ball really hard. Uh, you know, I, I think that uh, he's got strong hands and you know, the ball really jumps off the bat. It's left-hand power. We have seen most of the regulars play. We have six regulars playing today with Tucker, the whole infield, and the catcher, Martin Maldonado. We've seen the center fielders play, Chaz McCormick and Jake Myers. We have not yet seen Michael Brantley. We have not yet seen Jordan Alvarez. Uh, any updates on either one of those two? Yeah, Alvarez, uh, I think he'll be taking some swings probably by the end of uh, – maybe by next weekend, I think he's going to be. So he's, he's coming along real – Really well. Um, Brantley, um, we had thought initially that he would be ready for the season, and we still feel we still feel good about that. Uh, he had a family matter that he had to attend to. Uh, but, uh, you know, we still feel like, you know, maybe opening day, a week into the season at, at the worst. Uh, but we need him out there. You know, the makeup so special. His, his presence in the clubhouse. Uh, we really need him out there. So we, we feel good. He'll be fine. Yeah, the lineup's fun to think about when you have those guys healthy. Oh, yeah. No doubt about it. Two left-hand bats. <laughs> you need that. Dusty Baker saying earlier today, if Michael Brantley's healthy, he bats second for me. And we were wondering about that a little bit with Jeremy Pena, his success in the postseason. But Michael batting second just makes all the sense in the world, doesn't it? Yeah, and, I mean, if he decides that he wants to platoon it, you know, it depends on if it's a righty or a lefty, he can do that. But, uh, you know, Dusty has a really good feel for this club. And, like I said, the way he's uh, interacted with the, with the guys is pretty special to watch. And how about you? Have you had a chance to make the rounds? I know you were meeting a lot of people in a short amount of time. Have you had a chance to see a lot of the team at this point? Yeah, and I'm also getting to see some of the minor leagues. Yesterday, uh, you know, I didn't travel with the team. I was able to see a nice inner squad and see some of our young arms. You know, um, Eric Getty was out there throwing it, and uh, he looked really interesting. Most, you know, lot, lot of, lot of upside for this guy. So uh, he's really intriguing. So I, I've had a chance to, you know, meet mostly all the big league team and, uh, you know, some of the minor league guys. I'm getting to know them as well. And the, the office, I mean, I've been with them for a little bit over a month. I've, I've seen them the most. I know Sparky's eyes lit up when he heard inner squad with all the young pitchers because he wants to know more about some of these guys. Well, Eric Getty, we, we've kind of known about it. Have you gotten a chance to see Santa yet? Uh, I've seen him throw a side. Really good arm. It's special, really isn't it? Really good arm. Yeah. yeah, and of course we've seen Melendez up here. He's pretty special as well. Uh, Tamarez, I mean, uh, if he can get the strike zone, he's going to be really good as well. So there's some good arms uh, coming. It's pretty exciting. You like to push guys through the system too, don't you? Yeah, I like to challenge guys. I think uh, when you challenge a player, uh, they make the adjustments. You know, the good ones adjust. And, um, you know, I, I, don't, I don't believe that you, you hurt guys. I mean, maybe if they're a little fragile makeup-wise, you know, some guys have a little different makeup. But I think for the most part, these players want to be challenged. And I think when you challenge them, uh, you see the best. What about some of these new rules have you guys started to discuss to try to take advantage uh, because of your personnel? Well, the, the new rules, I think the guys are still adjusting to the new rules, mm -hmm. to be honest with you. Um, the hitters more than the pitchers, would yes, you agree? Yes, because it's really, things happen so fast, you can't clear your head. I think that's one of the biggest things. Like, you know, I think when the season starts and, and you have the crowd, it's going to be a little bit more difficult because guys are going to, like, get into the game so much they may forget. Todd Callis alongside Steve Sparks. We have Dana Brown, the general manager in the booth with us. Dana, fun day today because not only do you get to watch spring training baseball, but you see a lot of the regulars. Uh, the first six guys in the lineup should be in there in the opening day lineup, including uh, Alex Bregman here, who you're getting to watch hit a ground ball down the third baseline. Jamer Candelario, a nice play, and Bregman thrown out by a step. Pretty good defensive play right there. Yeah, nice. It is good to see these guys, uh, you know, the lineup get pretty much in order. Kyle Tucker's coming to the plate right now, Dana, and he's going to take off for Team USA in the WBC. Is there anything that you try to convey uh, to the to the manager and the people involved with those teams with, with in regards to some of your players and how much they play? 
Yeah, I think our coaches and our managers know these guys well, and, you know, they give them their uh, marching orders, I'm sure, uh, about, you know, taking care of our guys. I think for the most part, these guys, though, as I've said before, these guys are used to, um, you know, preparing for the season, and I think they know what they have to do. They're all, you know, they've all been doing it for a little bit. So. Yeah. It's fun to watch Tucker because he has that routine where he always gets the dirt on his hands. That's his version of the pine tar as he fouls one away. And he really has to hustle this year when he goes out of the batter's box as opposed to last season. He keeps looking at the clock, too, when he goes out and rubs his hands. Yeah, uh, he's old school without the batting gloves. I love it. Here's the 1-1 pitch home and a swing and a miss. It's 1-2. and two. If uh, nothing is done by spring training with Kyle Tucker, do you kind of – table it during the season and hope to restart negotiations with them for an extension after the year uh most likely we uh we are still in uh communication with uh, casey close so i mean we're optimistic um we think something can get done uh we've also started talking to uh valdez uh, agent so we're still optimistic about those two we'll see one of your first things was getting christian javier locked up so that's kind of your focus right now in addition to trying to learn the team right yeah, Javier is such a special fastball, and, you know, he's still young, and uh, we're really excited about him. You, you look at a, a Kyle Tucker who figures uh, maybe more than any of the players on the Astros team is to benefit from the, the no shifting this year. Uh, have you guys thought about that? Yes. Um, this is the, We got a chance to get some balls down the line and in the gap, uh, you know, with him, with them not being able to shift. Uh, so that that's I think that's going to be a positive for us. I really do. Todd and I were talking yesterday because we were playing against the Red Sox and they've got that green monster replica uh, in that game in Fort Myers, and the Astros have something similar at Minute Maid Park. As that pitch is fouled off, but uh, is there a chance that you guys could utilize uh, an overshift uh, because of the way your ballpark sets up at Minute Maid Park and just use two outfielders from time to time? I don't know if that's going to work. Um, I mean, that's a really a dusty question. But at the end of the day, I think, you know, that's going to be in a few different ballparks, you know, with the different uh, layouts uh -huh. in the outfield, the different dimensions. Um, but I think for the most part, uh, Dusty will, you know, get with our uh, analytic people and yep. they'll, they'll try to figure that out. Kyle Tucker bats here with a 2-2 count. Dana Brown, our guest, general manager of the Houston Astros. Nobody on, one out. Patrick Corbin, the lefty, delivers against the lefty Tucker, who fouls another one away. Every general manager has a different degree of involvement in the draft. But because of your background uh, coming over from Atlanta, do you anticipate, especially with all your databases on a lot of these guys who will be drafted this year, that you will be more involved than most GMs in the draft? Most likely, yeah. That's where my strength is, so I'll definitely be involved. I've already started to talk to Chris Gross a little bit about that and Charles Cook. Um, you know, that's where my strength is. I'll try to help as much as I could. Um, you know, there's times, though, that even as a general manager that you have to listen to the group, you know, uh, so you can't go in there and, you know, take charge. You just have to uh, give your input and, you know, be firm, but, you know, also be able to listen. It's in your blood, though, right, preparing for a draft? This is a fly ball in the center field. That should be playable for Alex Call. Yes, uh, no doubt about it. It's definitely in my blood. I love it, actually. I mean, I'm going to try to go out, like I said, and see about 30, 35 guys. If I can get the first rounder seen and potentially the second rounder, if we could kind of narrow down who we think is going to go, uh, that would be that would be great for me. i really like to see our first two picks if it's possible. And, Dana, you've talked about it a couple times. You've mentioned the Astros' first-rounder last year, Drew Gilbert. What did you see in him as a scout? Yeah, he was really good. Lead-off type guy, and he had a little thunder in the bat, um, enough to be dangerous. Um, you know, he had good at-bats. He could hit good fastballs, and he's really good defender, and he can really throw. Here's Jose Abreu at the plate. You've seen this guy a lot of years. You've got to love being on the side of him now with him, with Jose coming over from the White Sox and joining the Astros. No doubt about it. That ball he hit the other day at St. Louis, man, that took off like a rocket. I'm excited about this guy and his power. I mean, I, I used to see him on TV all the time, highlights, updates, all that stuff. Uh, so he's, he's really strong, too. You get up on him, man. It's interesting to me to, to watch Abreu this year turn on, on, on so many pitches. The fact catcher sets inside here is last year he was going away with everything I don't know if there was anything uh, ailing him but the way he's turning on balls right now makes 
me believe he's more healthy than he was a year ago. Yeah, I think he's picking his spots as well. Okay. Um, you know, looking for certain pitches at certain times in the count and in certain locations. And, I mean, he seems to be really aggressive on the inner half at times, but yet he'll go with the pitch uh, to right field. So I agree with that. I think he's really using the whole field right now. Here's David Hensley getting a chance to play left field today. And, Dana, the last year the Astros had a couple of guys that could play a variety of positions with Mauricio Dubon and Aledmus Diaz. Hensley has been primarily an infielder. I would think getting him in the outfield just kind of benefits his chances of making the team. This one is a weird one for me because he's such a big guy. and he's, He could play short. And it's then he hard could, to imagine then, that he could yeah, do that. And then he could play first. And I'm like, who plays first and short and then left? So <laughs> for a scout, this is a, this is a head scratcher. But, you know, he, he's a great guy to have on your team, though. He can do multiple things, and uh, he loves it. Foul ball out of play, one and one that, that was the thing. We were watching him during the lockout last year on those backfields and those inter squad games and him playing second base you're just going what he's a foot taller than Altuve <laughs> how's he playing second base but he moves like a, a six footer doesn't he honestly when you see a guy play short and then he goes to first base there's usually like about five or ten years in between those two mm. but to have about you know an hour or two hours in between when he's jumping around yeah positions I I think this guy is really exciting to have Really good plate discipline last year. 80 walk at the minor league level. 2-1 pitch to him is a ground ball base hit into right field. David Hensley connects on the first hit of the day for the Houston Astros. Abreu will stop at second. First and second with two away. And you look at a big guy like that, and with a short stroke, you don't expect that either, do you? Not at all. You know, usually would have those long arms yep. and long swing, but he knows how to get the head of the bat to the ball. Bly Madris will be the next hitter. Madris had a couple of hits yesterday in Fort Myers against the Red Sox, getting a chance to start today as the Astros' DH. Made his debut last year with the Pittsburgh Pirates. Lefty on lefty here with the Astros' two runners on here with two outs. The pitch home is a ground ball to second. Luis Garcia will make the play to first. And, Dana, we thank you so much for joining us in the booth here in the second inning, and we look forward to a great rest of your spring. I appreciate you guys. Have me on anytime. Thank you so much. I love players, please. I love, I love. Let's the World Series. You've been listening to Sports Talk 790 Astroline, the official off-season show of Astros baseball. It's time to get soaked. Time to get wet. Brought to you by Pluckers Wing Bar. If you don't like their wings, they'll give you the bird. Astros are world champions, and here we go. Post your questions and comments on social media. Just be sure to hashtag Astroline on Sports Talk 790, home of the Strohs. Back to you. <laughs> Not a popping.